today's show, Dr. Ernest joins the roundtable to educate us on the state of affairs in Cuba. Raised the son of a Cuban KGB officer, defected to Newfoundland, studied in Russia, landed in Portland, Oregon. Dr. Ernest eliminates the social, military, and propaganda machine housed on the island 90 miles off our border today, August 8, 2006, on Tuesday noon. Welcome to Tuesday noon. We're back. Another. It's, it's another Tuesday. It's another noon, and uh, we're cheating. How do they come up week. so fast? Because we're cheating. Oh, because I was would you like to know how? What happened to my weekend? This is the trans. This is the magic of broadcast. Because it's not Tuesday, actually. It's it's the Tuesday, otherwise known as Friday. Shh, right. Because you're. Where are you going? I'm going to uh, Kanita, which is a, a resort, actually, and we're hanging out there for a week. A week very in Canada, very I have exciting. a big, I'm totally a geek, a big stack of books. Why uh, is that geeking out? And a laptop. A big stack of laptops, now that's and a laptop, geek. And I'm hoping they have Wi-Fi. Nice. And I'm going to swim, hang out by the pool, do a little golf, and veg. Very nice. Yeah. Dulcet tones of uh, 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 Mr. Uh, Mr. James, uh, Mr. James, James Whitley. James or Jamie Whitley. Yeah. Uh, and uh, across from Jamie, his uh, evil counterpart... Mary Bradbury Jones. Evil Alter ego. Actually, I thought I was the evil counterpart. There's the good and evil. And she's, yeah. I, I don't know about Mary this morning. She's totally misbehaving. Usually she's the one who behaves very well this morning. Really she's really a little ornery today. She, <laughs> she is ornery. <laughs> uh, so welcome to the show. Uh, we have an esteemed guest here. Who's, uh, we're just so lucky to have him uh, here with us and, and teaching with us. And uh, Who's going to do the introduction? Oh, Jamie everybody's is. looking at me. That's yeah. me. I forgot. I think it's your turn. Well, today we have actually a really interesting topic, and, and this is so timely. We're going to talk about Cuba and all the things that are going on there with Fidel Castro and his brother and, and particular society and, and what people want and those sorts of things. And we have an expert on our staff. Uh, his name is Ernest. And unfortunately, we can't give you Ernest's last name, and that's really for security reasons with family being still in Cuba and those sorts of things. But Dr. Ernest is with us today. He was born in Cuba. He's a University of Phoenix instructor. And, and Ernest, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get here? Well, you know, um, actually, many years ago to defect Cuba, you know. And uh, so I talked to my father, you know. My father was a, a big member of the Cuban KGB, and he retired, you know, so... He gave me an option to go to Russia to study for one month. So, and then when the plane stopped in Newfoundland, I jumped on the plane and asked for political refugee in Newfoundland, Canada. And so that's the way I defect and never come back to Cuba. And also. So you're getting ready to go to school in Russia, or did you go to school in Russia? Uh, yeah, I, I see I, I studied Russia for nine years. I finished my bachelor, master, and PhD in, in, in computer science. Mm-hmm. In Russia? In Russia, in Kiev, Ukraine. Really? Yeah. So, so then after that, you know, Gabashot took the power in Russia, you know, and I made a decision to change my mind, you know. And I said, I will not come back to Cuba, you know. So I want to be freedom. So my first op- op- opportunity was to defect in Canada. And your family, you still have family to this day in Cuba? Yeah, I have my mother and my brother family, yeah. And you haven't seen them since then? Have you seen them since you my, defected? Uh, I didn't see my brother, but my, I see my, my mother came to visit me for about four years ago, and we spent two months together. Yeah. So wow. she was allowed to come visit you? Uh, excuse me? She was allowed to come visit you? No, she was allowed to come back to, to, to visit Miami. So oh, and then okay. I took her from so Miami. So you had to go to Miami and No, I just bought a ticket for her to come yeah. back to Poland to see me, you know, so. Okay. So. Very cool. Wow. Interesting. Very cool. 
So when when you left, did your father know you were going to do this? And he was the only one that, that he knew that we never come back to Cuba. So he knew. The, okay. one, the only one. And he made for me all the contact with the immigration and the passport to make sure that I'm leaving to study only for one month. So it's really interesting you. that a, a member. Thank you, thank you to my father that gave you to me this opportunity. You know? Yeah, so I mean, he, that that was the plan, right? That Just, was the plan. That was the plan was to give you an opportunity to get out. Right, so how do we find out all the plan? To talk, we have to go to the beach, you know, and swimming underwater yeah. and talk each other with no device around, you know. Make sure we have naked so we have no device around, you know. So we can talk and spend hours talking on the beach, you know. Why would I like to do that and how he's going to provide it for me the, the escape from, from Cuba? That's amazing. Now, how old were you when this was? Uh, that was in um, 1990. Okay. 1990, yeah. Okay. Um, and so with worrying about the, the devices, is that something that every Cuban has to worry about, or was that particularly important because of the role your father played? I think both of them, I think everybody in Cuba is scared about any devices, and <laughs> any telephone call or anything, you know. And because my father was a member of, of the Cuban KGB, you know, he knows that all this could be around, you know. So we had to be very careful and leave the house to the beach and talk. And what was his plan. role in the Cuban KGB? I have no right to talk about it right now. Okay. Is your father still alive? He died. He died about, he died about maybe seven years ago. And so by the time I was in Canada, United States, I support my father with medicine, you know, and money, you know. Mm-hmm. He died very poor. In Cuba, we don't have this security, you know, uh, how do you call pension plan that we have in the United States. You serve the communist country, and when you get old, you are done, so you, nobody take care about you, you know. So are that's you, the way. Are you a U.S. citizen now? Uh, no, we have the green card. Mm-hmm. But uh, and we are Canadian, mm-hmm. so we can go to Canada anytime, whatever we want, you know. Okay. So you're Canadian citizen. Uh-huh. Interesting. And your, now your wife is from... Russia? Yeah. yeah, my wife is from Belarus. Okay. The Belarus means white. Yeah. So you support, you have to be white to live in Belarus, you know. I have to have a gun, like a green eyes or blue eyes, you know. So <laughs> it's kind of weird, but that's the way I they are. I did not know that. So. So yeah. how long did you how long did you know her before you guys got married? Uh, I think it was about um, <laughs> about five months. Okay. Yeah, you know. Cuba don't talk too much, you know, we couple of months and we get married, you know, so it's kind of cool, you know. We didn't understand each other, but she was good looking. Which actually was probably a good point, a good thing. Kind of cool, she speaks Russia, I speak Russia, you know, so we had the same path. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, because if she really understood you, maybe she wouldn't have married. Yeah, she speaks, she drinks vodka, I drink vodka, so, you know, it's kind of cool, you know, so. Does she talk really fast too, or is that? No, she's kind of slow Russian, very slow people, so the fast talking is a Cuban thing, is that? That's correct, that's correct. So when you speak Russian, we slow down? When I speak Russia, I slow down. When I speak Cuban, I hide the speed of my speech. You know? Yeah, I'm actually going to slow down this podcast. <laughs> yeah, please do that for me, so, <laughs> so people can have clue what I'm talking. That's about. right. Yes, Ernest, exactly. it's half speed, and it's like ooh. so. Okay. The interesting thing we have this stuff going on in Cuba now, where Fidel Castro has has stepped down because of uh, surgery, and he still has relinquished power at this point to his brother Raúl, and. You can tell us, uh, Ernest, from your experience and, and people back home, how do people feel about that in, in Cuba? And are, do they want him to die and relinquish power? Are they hoping that you know, he's the savior and he lives to 130 like he talks about? You know, um, I have a conversation with my family in Cuba, I think, a couple of days ago, and I talked to Miami, my family. I have a bunch of family in Miami, too, you know. Um, yes, people are already tired you know, and suffering for the communist country, Fidel Castro, you know. 
yes, people want this guy to be, you know, the dead, you know, <laughs> to make some change, you know. To regime change. To the, yeah, the problem is you cannot set that inside the house. You cannot go on the street screaming. I have to be very quiet and wait for everything happening, you know. So how do you communicate, though, with people who are, who are in Cuba then so that you don't get caught by the secret police? Is it right. like email yeah, we have, no, other no, different types no, of things? No, cannot be email. email. Cannot be, I'm just, no, know. no email, no letter. Uh, we have people that go to Miami, from Cuba uh, oh. to Miami, uh, to Cuba to Miami to switch some package, you know, mm-hmm. some money. And these people have the letters for us, you know, and we can read what's going on, you know. Exactly, you know. Okay. And a lot of Cuban people go to to Cuba uh, from Miami to you know through Mexico, mm-hmm. and they ha- they understand what's going on, you know. So, so you have a society that's really looking for him to to move on. Right. Is his brother going to be any different? Do, do people okay. know, you know him? Because to clarify, he has seated power. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, some people think he's even dead. I mean, there's that. They speculate. Yeah. Wondering. Well, you know, the fact that he did step down, and that means that the right the guy's really sick, you know. Because it's yeah. not possible in the communist country, dictator never do die, you know. They die being dictator, you know. Yeah. They never do die, you know. Of course, he's not die, you know. If we be die, if Raul Castro will be telling everybody very quickly, you know. And I believe, you know, about, about Raul Castro, Raul Castro is Minister of Defense, you know, Cuba. He's a very strong man, very weird. He's worse than Fidel Castro. He is? He's worse than Fidel Castro. Wow. He's just the guy that has the power, and the guy don't talk too much and make decisions very quickly without thinking very much. He's not a very political guy, you know. And he has the power. He has the entire military army that he controls, you know. So any possibility that anybody wants to do something weird, you know, scream or jump on the street, you know, or do something is going to be eliminated very, very quickly, you know. Do you think he may have a desire to try to overtake, you know, Raul and, and be in charge himself? I guess so. The problem is when when was the Erith Bjorth of Fidel Castro? He was in the meeting, and he said very clear, don't worry, Fidel, I'm going to continue. You are, you know, communist po- po- uh, policy, you know. We are going to do what you say, blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. And he has to say that. So we don't know, you know, with Fidel Castro that he may make a little bit change, you know. Yeah, is that real or is that just trying to appease Fidel yeah. so he can get in that position? Right, so he may say no, we do what's supposed to be done, or he may say, well, he's dead right now, so let's make a little change, you know. And everybody has to respect Raul because Raul is the guy that can go wherever you are and kill you. <laughs> very clear, you know. He's, he's no, no, very, no very good talking people, no very, very polite he said it's supposed to be done, and you done. You have to do it, you know. Do the sanctions we have on Cuba, do they help or exasperate the challenges in Cuba? Do we, because there's this debate that as we put sanctions on, in reality, we're just hurting the people that we're trying to help because those are in power, just soak up all the money, they don't care about anybody else. So or do we do Cuba a favor by doing that, or would we be better off to to reach out in all kinds of ways. You know, all this idea about money, the, uh, how do you call it, block, block, uh, uh, blockade? Blockade. <laughs> no, the blockade, the only people has been suffering is the Cuban people in Cuba, you know. All this, Fidel Castro and their military people, the high-level Communist Party, they're living very well, they have good food, good house, good, uh, you know, positive food, health, you know. Well, so, and what's proven is they don't feel pain yeah, off of the blockade. It's not pain. 
dejas de decir. Right? So, yeah. And no, if you don't care about your people. Yeah, if you then. don't care about the people, then there is no pain. So it's just no pain for this guy. Now, the people, like in my family, my mother, you know, they're suffering, you know. They got nothing, you know. And so has, this black cat has been absolute nothing to the Cuban revolution, you know. No influence. Well, and then what you do if you're in power there, you say, oh, well, look, the suffering is all the, the that's that's because America is doing this to you, and that's why, you know, they're the continue bad guys. Continue the propaganda. You should continue under us because we can help make your life better. If America weren't so evil, they wouldn't do this. Well, you know, that actually begs the question. I mean, from your perspective and talking to your family, what is the common perception of the United States Great question. in Cuba? You know, Fidel Castro has, has touched, touched us very bad about United States people. You know? Yeah. Very bad. I mean, from the beginning, a very strong, very strong definition about United States, you know, government people all the time. And, you know, and that's what we have. You know, we didn't have no information. We have no TV, you know, no media to talk about it. But when people start coming to United States, you know, and meet people like people, you know, people find out that people everywhere in the world want to live good, you know, have to have a good job, you know, a good health, good food, you know. We're all the same. We right? are the same people, you know. It doesn't matter wherever exactly. you live, you know. So because of that, people start thinking, you know, and it's kind of very weird. How can these people live in bed in the ass? We have only 90 miles, you know. What do we do in Rome, you know? And, and so people find out that the system, you know, the system doesn't work, you know. So and people start thinking different way, you know. Oh, maybe is, that, is that true? I mean, you walk around the street, you ask people, how do you think communism's working for Cuba right now? Can you even ask that on the well, street? Yeah, you can't ask that Yeah, you can ask it. And then the guy will say, yes, it's very cool. We got everything we need. <laughs> yeah. and we, we love it. Is this thing on? Is yeah. this thing on? Wow. You know? I mean, what a place to live where you have to, you can't say things like now, that. Now, let me explain you something. Maybe, uh, Maybe you have like no clue North about it. You know? yeah. Okay, how about the food in Cuba? Okay, how people eat? Okay, so we have a, a, a car, monthly car. That give you card. Monthly card. It's mm-hmm. kind of small, small books, you know. It's like food stamps. Food stamps. No, it's not food stamps. Not food stamps. Stamp. Stamp. It's kind of small, small card, you know, with many pages, kind of small block, you know, something like that. Like a coupon book, kind coupon of. Coupon book, something like that. And we have month, you know, January, February, every month, you know. So at the beginning of the month, you go to this small store, and they give it to you five pounds of sugar, you know, five pounds of potato, you know. And do they take one of those coupons No, out? they write down the paper. Oh, yeah. They write down the letter. So, and then you go there, you buy what you have to buy for the same mass, and you never return back to the store for, for, for all the days, you know. For so a if month. You run out for a month. In a, if you run out halfway through the month, you have to wait till the next no, month. No, nobody cares about that. I mean, you get one chicken, one, one whole chicken for one month, five pounds of sugar, five pounds of potato. You got to make that last a month. And you have to make all this money. So how people does, you know, is they're trying, you know, a lot of stalling people for different factories. Because remember, remember, in the communist country, everything belongs to the government. So they store stuff from different companies and sell it outside. And they get some food, you know, and a lot of change, a lot of, a lot of switching money and objects under the table. Bartering, you know? kind of. Found it. They call the black, black, black market. The black, black market. market. Yeah. Black market. Food on the black market. So, so all this stuff happening, you know. So, for example, I send money to my family every month saying they eat like a queen, you know. Like, a, I mean, half enough food to eat, you know. I send it to my family, $50 to my mother, $50 to my brother, and they half, they live like a... So can you imagine how a country, can, a family can live for $50 a month? How poor this country is, you know. Absolutely. How people suffer, you know. And there's no problem with you with you sending money into Cuba. Yeah, no, the money is coming to Cuba because we have a company from Miami 
the people fly every week to Cuba and do this transaction, you know. Okay. So and they're not searched going into Cuba? So no, because Fidel Castro needs a little bit of this money so people can buy stuff oh, in Cuba. He needs oh, he needs the economy. So he needs the economy. So he, he says, okay to do that, you know. Got it. Okay. It's okay to do that. They need the people spend dollars in Cuba, you know. Yeah. Wow. So that's the idea, you know. So if... And I haven't researched Cuba a whole lot in terms of natural resources and, and potential for industries and those sorts of things. If Cuba were free, does it have the potential to really thrive? Are, are there the thing are the elements there for them to do that road system, some industrial stuff set up, educational system? And would they be able to expand? Uh, you know, I think Cuba, they only have, we have sugar, you know, and coffee, maybe tobacco, you know. But I don't, I don't believe... I don't believe that that's the the biggest, you know, economy mm-hmm. target that we can use, you know. I think that was the biggest mistake for the Castro to do that. I think that the, the best idea of Cuba is create very big industry of tourists, you know. Tourism, yeah. Like Fidel did, you know, at mm-hmm. the end of the, the last couple of years, you know. He went to Matanza Varadero, you know, a big bunch of hotels. So many, many countries from Europe, you know, Italy, Spain, you know, French, build a big hotel in the beach, you know. And that was very, very good money entry for Cuba, you know. So. Well, there is a lot of pent-up demand. So if, yeah. if all of a sudden it were open, think of all the people that would pour in, people that haven't seen their families in a very long right. time. Well, so not, yeah, and I can remember scuttle when some um, people from the United States have gone into Cuba in the tourism mode, like, and they've been, I think, Hollywood stars. But yeah, we if have, I remember right, Jack Nicholson's been there and... and uh, yeah, I think Leonardo I think, DiCaprio, yeah, I think, and then there was criticism of them for doing I, that. Yeah, I think we have five million people in, Cuba, in Miami. A lot of lots of people, Cuba, are very rich, and they waited to 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 go there, you know, invest the money in Cuba, you know, a lot of things. What's the population in Cuba? Ten million approximately. Ten million. Ten million. Yeah. And and you have about five wow. million Cubans in Cuba, living in Miami. In Miami. Which very good. Wow. Very good, you know, inspiration to come back in, to Cuba, you know. So waiting for the day when it could be right. free, free and they, they can, can come back, they can invest. invest. Right. But is it going to be free? And you have, it sounds like Raul may just implement the same policies. And I know that, that Cuba and Venezuela are starting to get pretty tight because Chavez there is trying to protect his you know, stuff and this, share oil. And you know, this idea between Cuba, Cuba and Venezuela is very clear. You know, you know uh, Russia is supposed to support Cuba for many things, petroleum, oil, you know, food, you know. Everything. So the Russian Empire f- f- Yeah, they're felt, broke. They're broke, you know, they fell. Broke so Cuba have nothing to do, no food, no gasoline, no electricity, you know. So what do we do? Well, Chavez had the oil, the petroleum, you know. So let's communicate with Venezuela, Chavez, you know. So right now, for example, Cuba, we have light from 5 to 8 tonight, light. So you have to do the food and take a shower between the hours. They shut down the Havana lights about 8.30, Nine o'clock until the next day, so it's no TV, no radio, no music. You know, everything's down, and, and we, so that's that's the way the people live. You know, and all my family, you know, it's no bus. You know, they have a bike. I think they buy a couple of million of bikes from China a couple of years ago. You can see a lot of people riding bike in Cuba. You know, go to work or doing something different. You know, to live. You know, and so it's just about what I can do tomorrow. To wake up and get some food to eat, you know. What do I have to do for that? To survive. To survive, you know. Now, on the other hand, I have to do what they sent me to do. I think the last July 26th of, you know, of July, they considered like a beginning of the Cuban Revolution, you know. Everybody have a night t-shirt, you know, and a flag. 
that was set up like that. They, they give it to you everything. They give it to you the list. And you have to be there on time. And they give it to you statement. What do you have to scream, you know? If you don't do that, you have problem, you know. You have big problem with these people, you know. So that there can be footage of all of them saying, we love Cuba. We love, we, yeah. We don't, yeah. It's a f- completely foolish environment based by the power, by the force, you know. Does the government tell you where to work? Is, is our jobs essentially yeah, I, what I, you do? I remember when I finished the high school, they said, you go to Kiev, Ukraine. Okay, I have to go. No choice. Can I go to Germany? Can I go to a different city? Can I go to a different country? Can I stay in Cuba? No, 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 no. You, you are going to study computer programming. You go to Kiev in Ukraine, and you'll be there for five, six years, and you're done. And that's what I have to do. I have to do what I have to do. So everybody's essentially told... What to do, what, what they to can do. eat. Yeah, what to do, how do you live, how do you work, and how much money you're supposed to get. So let's. So they were going to send you to, to Rush. They wanted you going there for school. Right. Now, did they, did they, did they choose Russia and, and wouldn't let you choose other countries because they knew that Russia wouldn't allow you to defect, which is why you had to be at Canada? I mean, didn't they take a risk no, sending no, no. you away? No, no, it's, it's, it's not defect because, I mean, Russia was a communist country this time, and okay, Germany, that's... and Hungary, you know, and Poland, and... So Cuba, Cuba moved a lot of students to this country, you know. Okay. I mean, the plane go Havana, you know, Warsaw. Communist to communist. Communist to communist. No, nobody stopped nowhere, you know. Okay. So what defect? It's not defection, you know. So they didn't have a risk sending you yeah, there. Yeah, right. I mean, you go to Russia, what, you disappear in Russia, they crash on KGB, find, find you, you, you know, and send it back to Cuba to prison, you know. So defecting where? How do you defect? Do people in Cuba have access to the Internet? Yeah, some of them have access to the Internet, and it's very good control by the Internet provider company. You know. So it's a lot like North Korea in terms of you can have access, or, or China, or but China, here right. we, we censor what you can have access to. Right, and, and the Internet provider is by the government, and yeah, and they check all the email and save and save every day, you know. So I receive email from my family, but it's very, very general email, you know. How you doing, you know, how the family, you know. We don't talk about any political uh, communist idea about something, you know. We can do when that. the internet first started becoming popular, the belief was this was this great equalizer and everybody everywhere in the world would have access to the same content and so you could free your mind and walls would crumble. And then what we found out is that that countries started uh, taking control of, of the service providers, the pipes, and then censoring the pipes. So and essentially they're just doing the same thing they've always done. And, Controlling the media and what people yeah, can controlling the telephone, see. everything you know, all the latest, everything is controlling you know. So you see, right now, Fidel Castro sick, and nobody can ask any question. We have no media, no control. Nobody can say anything about anything. How about the educational system in Cuba? Is it pretty good or? Educational system in Cuba um, is very good. I have to say that because I taught in Havana <laughs> uh, Polytechnic University, you know. Um, I finished my PhD, you know, went back to Cuba to teach, you know, there. And I look at the system, you know, and what they teach. It is very good. The problem is, <laughs> problem is when you get so high-level engineer out there, you know, or a doctor, and you go there to the factory, everything, everything is so poor, so death, you know, that half knows. It's very big conflict, you know, what, what you prepare and what you're filling out these people, you know. Everything is so poor, so, you know, not very good. Tech, tech, techniques, you know, for development, manufacturing, a hospital. You prepare a very high-level guy that half complete, nothing to do up there, you know. Health system's not very good? The what? Health system is not very good? No, the health system is very good. Is it now? Yeah, Fidesz is spending a lot of money in that, you know. We have very good hospital, but because we don't have resources right now, you know, the health, 
the health requires a lot of money, you know, a lot of investing in devices, you know, a lot of testing devices, diagnostic, you know. So. And everybody has access to health care, though, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. But do some people have access to better health care, or is it just... No, as I said before, the high level the, of, the, of the Communist Party and Fidel Castro, they have a special hospital. For them. For, only for them. Right. So right, right now, Fidel Castro is a very secure hospital. It's very, very high level, level, you know, technology, very high level medicine with the best doctor in Cuba to take care about all these high level Communist Party people, you know. Then the other stuff for the common people. Right, and whatever you got it, whatever you got it. Yeah. No, it's not much different than our U.S. Congress. No. Like healthcare for us, all <laughs> oh. you other people, you got totally different. All this. Yeah, no, it's yeah. not different. So right? they have their own healthcare system. They pay a lot less than we do, and it's way better. It's right, like, right. Congratulations. No, I, yeah. Um, well, to kind of shift, I, I think for I think for probably Gen Xers, their their first real introduction with Cuba, since most were young during Cuban Missile Crisis, was, and I hate to bring it up, but Elian Gonzalez. I mean, that's the first that I remember kind of being exposed to what's going on and, and, and the adversarial relationship and all of those things. Um, what, was, what was your take on that, that whole situation with that little boy? And that was the kid they were trying to take back. Right, the, right, the so. kid that was over here with his parents and then his father wanted, his father who was in Cuba wanted him back. Wasn't that how... How the story oh, went? Yeah, maybe she defected, or she and came over a boat, or something, right? Or the mother, the mother died. That's right. right. And, and then, so then the U.S. government essentially stepped in and said, "The boy needs the father's here. The boy needs to go back." If that's how I kind of remember the story. <laughs> yeah, you so, guys are a fount of information. <laughs> well, <laughs> when was that? I mean, <laughs> I'm no. actually looking it up here. <laughs> hey, no. I'm impressed. I at least remembered his name. It was uh, six twenty-eight two thousand. Six years ago, and we're still. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but I think that's roughly right in the story. No, I, I would. I'll agree with you. So what? What was uh, as a no, you've been you know, living over here? What was your take in that no, situation? You know, Elena Gonzalez was a, a, a toys, you know, instrument for you know Cuba making this noise, you know, in the United States, you know, and a lot of and all these people make a lot of money, you know, do a bunch of stuff. But uh, uh, why? Why Cuban community in the United States didn't like it is how Clinton ordered, you know, to go there as a force. And take the boy out back to Cuba, you know. That was a silly, you know. We never saw the body, you know. That was may happen in the United States, you know. So that's so why. Do, why do you think they did that? I have no idea. To we prove are. The point. Is we're in charge. What? Yeah. Just, it's it's yeah. control, isn't it? That Clinton did that for control. No, no. no. Well, Cuba of well, you know, basically forcing us to to take him back and. But I, so so now why Clinton let that? I yeah, why? I mean, if if it's already adversarial, why were we? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just winding you up, man. I know. No, but, you know, um, it was it was very weird, you know. I mean, you know, uh, Fidel Castro did very well. He sent his father here, you know, with the new wife and new kids, you know. There was a good propaganda yeah. campaign, campaign you know, for and, the father. And, and the father time. went to yeah. short and asked God, you know, please relieve my son. You know, he's alone. He was completely very good prepared. Again, and Clinton, Clinton, Clinton defeated the democracy of the United States, you know. How you can go by, f- that was the main idea of United States democracy, you know. And you force when there with the power, take the boy out and send it back to Cuba. How does happening? But that's happening, you know. So. But what I'm still trying to figure out is, you know, what, I mean, I remember at the time, you know, being fairly um, uninformed with this, in this whole area. And I've certainly learned a great deal today that, I, you know, have never have never been heard, heard before. But I remember feeling, because of how they did such a good job in the father's case, sitting there and saying, 
But it's the father, and the father wants his son back. I, you make you know, it and, personal. And yeah. I struggled with that because I was like, I saw the side of the family living in Miami and their whole points, and then they did a great job making us feel some sympathy for the father too. And I, you know, I remember being conflicted and kind of being, I don't have an opinion on it because I see both sides. And sure, I mean, it's the blood is thicker than politics kind of argument, you know, and that's that's what they. What they pride themselves on. It, it's, but it's total propaganda. We do it all the time. You show the tears. You ask God to help you. Blah blah blah. Right. And at the same time, we invented it. Absolutely, you marketing. <laughs> uh, you're evil. Uh, but but because we'll do it with. Well, here are all the little baby seals, and look at them, and oh, they miss their mama, and all. And so then, oh, don't kill the seal. And we do the same thing over and over again. As you, you touch somebody at a personal level, and and then I even think they did the story where we, where several months later we got to see him back in Cuba with his yeah, dad. I remember cool. that, and they were playing well, on a jungle gym. And, and listen to this quote from one Miguel Gonzalez: "I would like to thank the North American people for the support they have given us and to the U.S. government. I think that this has allowed me to meet very beautiful and intelligent people in this country, and I hope that in the future this same friendship and the same impression that I have of the U.S. people." That the same thing can become true between both our countries, Cuba and the U.S. I'm very grateful for the support I have received. I'm extremely happy of being able to go back to my homeland, and I don't have the words to express what I feel. Do you think the Cuban people saw that quote? No, never. No, never. We did. It was great PR for us. Now, here's the problem. I can't to the United States to request my son. I look all this thing you live in here. Can I stay? So the question is, you cannot stay. You have your mother, your family there. If you stay. Every family you're leaving going to suffer, my friend. Because they're gonna, they're going to make the oh, family pay. For yeah, this. that's yeah. correct. So the guy coming here and make all this art, you know, all this feeling, you know, and everybody was crying, you know, like you said, the boy has to go to a new father, blah blah blah. The guy may think inside, how can I defect to please? Okay. I want to live good. And the, but he couldn't make it. You know. So he was a pawn. Uh, sure he was. He was he oh, was, he was, So that's what he's saying at the end of that sentence yeah. is, and can I stay he here, have, please? Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, he definitely, definitely, definitely. Interesting. Okay. You can't do that. So, so where's this kid now? Cool, uh, right? Well, but, but in terms of, you know, is his story something that is continuing to be <laughs> no. used as yeah. propaganda and look how well right. he's doing? No, this guy with his family is right now in very high level security by Q and KGB. Special house, special... Uh, you know. So he's in that upper he's, Oh, I mean, he has high security. Because he did what he, what he was asked what? to do and probably got rewarded right. for Right, he it. got rewarded, you know, and, 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 you know, Cuban people in Miami, his uncle, you know, family, maybe thinking to come back and request the boy, but nobody will touch the boy forever. Hmm. Nobody, even the location of this family. Wow. The golden handcuffs of working with the state. Right. You're rewarded, but you're a prisoner. Exactly. Yes. Yes, you have no access to anything. You are controlled by the Cuban KGB. You live good. You have a good house, good food. It's fine. The boy go to school, a special school, but nobody know about you anything. Nobody can touch you anymore. This boy is controlled by the KGB Cuban right now. So you've got this this K- Cuban KGB, and and your father was a part of that until he's retired and whatnot. But obviously your father, because he helped you, wasn't a, a true believer. Either he came to that over time or always felt that. Are there other people in the KGB or this is my job but inside you're like but if I had the chance I'd help my son defect yeah, if I had right. the chance I'd be what, out of here what's happening my father believed in these things he retired and he was surprised that I was no support you know he have heart problem you know high, high pressure and he said excuse me what's going on here I, I believe you're supposed to help me and I have nothing right now 
So he lived very poor. He gave it to him about 130 pesos a month retirement, about 15, 12 dollars a month, you know. Wow. The guy have no medicine. So I, I need to provide the medicine and food for my father for the last year that he left, you know. So he was upset and said, you know, it has been a very bad situation for me, you know. So and I talked to him and said, okay, can you help me to leave? And he said, okay, let me do my contact, you know. And I got all the connection and disappeared, you know. Will the people ever rise up? Uh, will, will this change? Change what? The, the social and political dynamics in Cuba. No, is, no. Is there enough will of the people that that is some that we think they're about to uprise particularly the whole no 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 nobody nobody can do nothing right now because of fear no because of fear nobody wants to die and because as long as as long as the regime stays castro nobody can do nothing nobody can screen nobody can do nothing unless you get organized and half a queue and say okay let's let's fight and let's die Right. Well, nobody wants to do that. And you need somebody who's leading that charge. And you have to because find they have right. nothing. They have no. I mean, there's no no, no food, no no weapons, organized no, no organization. Yeah. Nobody. Is, any, is anybody look until any, George Soros? Right. Is anybody you know, met with two, three people in some house every every day or every month? People find out and they kill this guy. You can't do that. It's no. Is there a big jail system? Yeah. It's it's, it's no leadership. You know, it's no organization to to fight for the freedom right now. You can't do that. And. And because of that, because there's no communication structure, there's no real way for the U.S. to export democracy like they say. Oh, no, no, like that's, the, that's like it. Like the U.S. Oh, you know, organization seems right, to Right, Bush said, you know, we're going to support you. Yeah, that's fine, you support, but nobody's going to do anything yeah, how? And they're not even going to hear that over there anyway. They're not going to hear it. That's, yeah, they, they don't hear, and, and nobody's going to do nothing. Because Raul has the power. He's a military guy. He can go and tank and blow out your house in three seconds. <laughs> Have to be very quiet, my friend. Hmm. Huh. Very quiet. It's like North Absolutely. Korea, is not? It's it's the same type of control. Yeah, control fear. machine, you know. You can't. I, yeah, I, you know, North Korea is. Uh, yeah, the, the guy's nuts. I mean, he's he's. You know, I don't I don't know. I mean, as, would you classify Raúl as a sociopath? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I Raúl is a very hard man, you know. Very, very weird guy. Not very polite, you know. Very strong, and he do a lot of stuff that what he says he's doing, you know. He's doing, you know, he don't talk very much, and also, it's very scary, you know. And how do they justify what they're doing? Is it in the name of, I mean, obviously they're spinning it. Well, well yeah, right and now, you know what, it was right even now. in the, it was in the, the response. Right. He says, um, uh, God, i got to find that quote. It was great. The proclamation by the commander-in-chief to the people of Cuba, he writes, uh, the surgery makes it necessary for me to, to take several weeks of rest away from my duties and posts. Since our country is threatened by the U.S. government under circumstances such as these. I have made the following decisions. And he lists how I... Threatened how? Right. Threatened how? Right. So, again, that's... It's power. It always is. It's about staying in power, keeping what you have, so that you live the good life and your family and friends. On the backs of the people. It's about power. How can I control all this bunch of 10 million people that they listen to me and they believe what I said? Mm -hmm. That's it. And you can't have the open dialogue like we would have here. And you can't. You things. can't do that. You can't. can't do that. Yeah. Wow, fascinating. It's a freedom of the speech, you know. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. Well, my goodness, you guys, we're cruising up on uh, 
the end of our period. Wow, yeah. we did good. You we know, did I very think good. Hey, wait, hey, you can't leave just, yet. We're still those those Cubans for you. The I'm Cuban out. Yeah, he is down. Put those put back a on. Put a fork. Is your put, phone ring? You got. <laughs> he's oh, got his cell phone. Five minutes. I'm telling you. What do we do? What do we do? You go. You go. Come here. He becomes a player. Is he a player? You know, I think we're done. No, no, no. Seriously. What do we do? Thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to unplug your mic before you run out of the building. Don't let the door hit you in the butt. We're not even done, right? And, uh, <laughs> oh, there was Dr. Ernest. <laughs> and he's and Dr. Ernest he's, has left the building. <laughs> Elvis has left the building. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dr. absolutely. Ernest, thank you so Dr. Ernest, thank you very much. <laughs> there he goes. He's out. Bye bye. Great to have you. You know, none of our guests have ever left like that. I don't Boy. know what that says. Did you shower? You said you didn't shower. Maybe that. Was that it. must be it. It's I just don't like know. that was. Uh, must have been a very important call. You know, I think just. One observation that I made through this conversation, and it kind of goes with, if we look back, kind of the conversation we had with Mike mm-hmm. about Mike, Iran. Uh, Mustafavi. Mustafavi, about, about yes. Iran. Is that, and what I really heard is, you know, at the core, all people want the same things. You know, yeah. the freedom, you know, be able to take care of their families, you know, food on the table, those kinds of things. And that we must be careful not to confuse government policies with the will of the people. So, you know, it's it's the government of Cuba that has the pro- that are the bad guys, not Cubans. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing um, you could say about uh, about us and about the the former Soviet Union and about the Eastern Bloc. I mean, you take away the leadership and everybody just wants to live, you know, for the most part. I mean, I don't think that's a gross generalization. There's that great song, I'll date myself, the 80s, 90s sting that, that Russians love yeah. their children too. And, yeah. and we're we're all the same. It's, it's we create these environments to try and protect our territory or whatnot. It becomes a power game. And right. The people don't really want that. They just want to take. And it's the government. Well, because job. the people don't care enough about that in general. Or are you willing? Or to if they do, they've been life. conditioned to do so, and it's not necessarily. Right. But do you want to sacrifice your life? And so then you look at the Middle East, where people are now willing to sacrifice their life for what they believe in. Mm-hmm. So they strap a bomb to themselves. In Cuba, they nobody's yeah. that I know. Of, maybe they do, and we don't hear about it. But nobody's really doing that. So until they feel strongly enough to do that, or something compels them, like a religion. You know, maybe it doesn't change for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, okay. Are we done with that? I think Can I we talk are. about something else? Yeah. I was just listening. I, I made a comment. It was weeks and weeks ago in our conversation with Steve Burt uh, about the $100 laptop. Mm-hmm. Remember that whole discussion we were talking yes. about education? Yeah. So I, uh, I downloaded a podcast from the iTunes uh, podcast directory, and, and it's called TED Talks. TED is this annual convention of, of technologists and really, really smart people that get together and talk about really, really smart things. And what, the one I listened to this morning is a video uh, of Nicholas Negropont talking about the $100 laptop, and he talks about the economics of laptops and the economics of technology and education, and how this is not a technology project. It's an education and humanitarian project. And I'll tell you, it really, uh, it really changed the way I look at this project. So I just want to uh, put a plug out there to TED Talks. Uh, do a search for it. It, it is a, a fantastic series, not just Nicholas Negropont, but... Um, um, but all of the speakers that they've offered up uh, for free. So. Excellent. Speaking of which, our blog's coming along real good. Website's starting to yeah, fill out. Yeah, yeah, we've got a, uh, we do, Tuesday12.com. And, uh, you know, we all have email addresses now at Tuesday12.com. Mary, Jamie, and Pete at Tuesday12.com. It's pretty original, huh? It's nice, huh? That's yeah, right. It's good. Yeah. It's good. And, uh, like and so you first. could write to us there. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was going to write to you about your blog and stuff just to. Just to head. pump up yeah. my head. That's yeah. good. That's I need it, clearly. And uh, and so I think we're in good stead. I've got a word from the designer that we should have a, an updated design within the next week or so to start.
putting in place so it won't be so generic. So hopefully it'll, cool. it'll grow there. And uh, so I think that's all we have to say, right? Are we it's out been here? a great conversation. Great. It, was, conversation. it was very enlightening really was. for me. Wow. And thank you to Dr. Ernest for coming in there in we, here. And, we and need to get more this. international experts on in, in other things. I yes. think it's just very fascinating. I think so, so too. I think so too. It's fascinating. Yeah. Thanks thank you for listening. Yes, thank you very much, and we will see you next week. This has been Tuesday Noon for August 8, 2006. For more information on this or any other episode, drop by our website at Tuesday12.com. And please shoot us an email at the show at Tuesday12.com. That's the show at Tuesday12.com. We'd love to hear from you and talk about you on the air. Until next week, this has been Tuesday Noon.